1: On this week's episode of Bucketheads, Ohio State has named captains for the first time since 2008. A few Buckeyes are banged up before the games even begin the secret scrimmage opponent has been revealed and an interesting story about former Utah and St. Louis head coach Rick Majeris. My name is Connor Lamans, and I'm here with my lovely co-host Justin Golba for the 10th episode of Bucketheads, the show that releases new episodes about as consistently as I do dishes, which has been about two weeks. Uh, this is Land Grant Hoyland's only college basketball centered podcast and one of the few college basketball focused podcasts in the SB Nation family of sites. Justin what's up with you how are you uh how are you holding up up there
0: doing good doing good getting into the uh post of fall sports for our coverage uh as people know I'm a high school sports supporter in Cleveland so um a little busy a little busy no doubt but you know it's always better when it's October that means football is getting into high gear and we're about to get some high state basketball
1: are you like at home most of the day and then like bath like the football games start at like seven. So like are you at home working on stuff all day and then like once six or seven o'clock hits you have to like buzz out to different high schools basically?
0: Yeah, I just do feature stories and like I'll do interviews with athletes and stuff and then write those up during the day and then at night I'll cover either soccer, cross country, or football. There we go. See
1: so you're moving around a little bit. I started a new job too this week, but it was a internal promotion at the AG's office. Um, I'll be probably working from home half the time. But the good thing is I'm not taking calls from the public anymore. So if you call the attorney general's office, um, you're not going to be talking to me. I don't want to talk to you folks anymore. I'm done with that. Um, So we're both doing great in our full-time jobs, but uh, we both clearly put much more effort and passion into uh, our podcast here. We are inching closer and closer to the season. Ohio State's scrimmage against Indianapolis is on November 1st. Um, So less than two weeks away from now, but before that, Ohio State is allegedly and we have to put it all in quotes because technically um, the the basketball team and the program won't confirm any of it they're hold, they are holding a secret scrimmage against someone in Nashville on October 24th um, this week when the media was allowed at practice and Holtman spoke to everybody he said he couldn't tell say who it was um, but they were playing in Nashville. Um, media can't be there so sorry my cat is Dude, get out of here. I wish I could have a cooler pet that would like speak on command, but she's just gonna bother us, I guess. Um, where was I? Secret scrimmage. Media can't attend, and he wouldn't say who were who we were playing. Literally three hours later, Adam Jardy was like, "Yeah, it's Ole Miss."
0: Yeah, and you know Jeff Goodman's normally the secret scrimmage guy. If you follow him on um, Twitter, he will be posting pretty much every single secret scrimmage that is happening. For example, today he posted, I went to Kent State. Kent State's playing St. Bonaventure in their secret scrimmage, which is actually pretty cool because St. Bonnie should be really good this year. Um, So, you know, I'm sure this will get out as well with Goodman. I'm sure he knows. um, Ole Miss, that's a really solid secret scrimmage. Um, They went 16-12 last year, lost an SEC tournament to LSU, went to the NIT, lost to Louisiana Tech. Um, They lost a lot, so it makes sense. They want to do kind of as many scrimmages as possible. They lost uh, three of their top four scores. Jarkel Joyner is the only one coming back. Uh, Devontae Shuler was their main guy last year. He averaged about 16 a game. He's gone. Romello White's gone. He graduated K.J. Buffin transferred to UAB. Uh, that was their fourth guy. So <clears throat> They have a lot of new returning guys. Uh, they did bring in Nisir Brooks from Miami. He's a center. And Jamin Brakefield from Duke, who's a forward. Uh, those two transferred there. So they do have some talent. Uh, Deshaun Ruffin is a freshman that they're really high on, so um, it'll be kind of interesting to see. They're kind of in the same boat to where with Ohio State to where they they have some new pieces that are going to play some major roles on their team, so they're going to want to get as many many minutes under those feet as possible before the season starts.
1: Okay, so I don't know very much about Ole Miss basketball. I do not pay attention. They're historically one of the kind of the bottom feeders in the SEC at least since Marshall Henderson left. Marshall um, Henderson. So really it's, it's just getting like some live game action. And this isn't a team that um they're not gunning for like top competition with this. I know they played Louisville last year, I think in the, a similar thing, which Louisville is a pretty solid team year in and year out, but Ole Miss um, not, not quite the same competition as Ohio state or or Louisville.
0: Yeah. But if you do ever want to watch just fun college basketball highlights, just Google Marshall Henderson. He was electric.
1: He, he was, fun. A, he was a, Dick is what he was, but he was really fun to
0: watch. That's he was. Fun. He just. Yes, he
1: just. He gave everybody the middle finger and just was chucking.
0: Um. um he, was, he was fun.
1: Speaking of crappy basketball or, um, not as high competition, um, Ohio State will then face off with the University of Indian- Indianapolis on November first, at the Shot. Tickets for that are available. Um, i'm sure for dirt cheap i've gone to the exhibition matches like that the exhibition games previously and you can usually sit like right behind the basket for like seven dollars um media will be allowed so i will be in the building for that one as my first game as credentialed media so that'll be a good time um it is a monday night seven o'clock game and everybody on the team should get some playing time in that one i don't know how red shirts work i know they said caitlin etzler is um red shirting this year and i don't think that this game counts so even like kaylin atzler should get some time on the court um justin what do you think teams are really looking to gain from playing a team like indianapolis before you jump into like their real life schedule um like what things about playing in the shot with fans against a team like this is going to help prepare them
0: yeah well simply put the game still starts at zero zero so you start the game as if you're playing Duke or you're playing Kentucky. You know, you, you had that same kind of intensity. Um, and then obviously playing Indianapolis, you would assume the game would get a little bit out of hand. And that's when you play your Kalen Etzler's, your, your guys, your Malachi Branham's, you know, because I mean, Malachi's going to play obviously a huge role in this offense this year. But we don't know where on the bench he's going to come off. If he, maybe he's even starting, who knows? You know, you have to see what you have. And when you bring in transfers like Jamari Wheeler, Joey Brunk, you're bringing in. Cedric Russell, you you have two freshmen, one of which is redshirting, but um, the other one should play a big role. You have a guy like Jimmy Soto's who was here last year, but you know got hurt, didn't play too much, whatever. Um, you want to see where these guys are. You also want to see where you guys are physically. You want to see where they are conditioning. You know, you want to see are they up to shape? Are they in shape? Do they do we need to look on a little bit of more running? Do we need to get a little bigger? You know, where are where are we just based on where you need to be to start the season and that's kind of what the first couple games are for too right i don't expect the akron game to be close um it shouldn't be but same thing you know you go into those kinds of games with that kind of mentality just seeing where you are seeing who might be as you know someone you might not under, might not know much about where's a guy like justin oren's improved you know where he's he's basically a shooter but has his defense improved stuff like that um, that's what you want to see and you know, you didn't get E.J. Liddell a lot during the summer because he was doing the combine. Where is he? You know, is his conditioning up to par? It should be. But you just want to make sure of all that. So that, that's what these are for, really. And also, like you said, it's for fans. Simply just it's entertainment to watch the team. They haven't seen the team in, I guess, what, seven months now? So, you know, I guess a year and seven months because last year there's no fans. So, you know, you want to get fans in the building. And kind of – it's funny. I was covering high school sports. They've been talking about this. Kids – and college kids are the same way, they got used to not playing with fans. They got used to playing in empty gyms. It was simply easier. Um, So now with fans, again, you have to kind of retrain yourself with that noise and with that loudness. Obviously, an expedition will be like that, but it's something.
1: Yeah, that's. I think that's pretty accurate. It'll be the first time that a handful of these guys have played in front of any kind of crowd. I know there was Um, there was a limited crowd at the big 10 tournament. So that's probably a pretty good, um, placeholder or comparison for what the crowd will probably be like for this, like exhibition game with Indianapolis. I think big 10 tournament, they had limited down to like 40 or 50% capacity. Um, and I bet for this kind of game, you're probably going to get a, at best again, 40 or 50% capacity, um, for this game, not because of like, Not because of any kind of COVID like requirements. They're not going to like limit the capacity of the crowd, but people probably aren't going to pay money to go see this. However, there have been no fans in there for over, you know, for almost two years now. So I bet you'll have more fans than you typically would have at this kind of game. But yeah, probably like a half filled arena max. But guys like Michi Johnson and, um, you know, Eugene Brown, Zed Key, and then like the freshmen, they really haven't played in front of fans yet.
0: Yeah, and you kind of mentioned it. At this point, fans are just itching for some basketball to watch. So I, I do, I would be very interested to see how many people show up to this, and I'm especially interested to see how many people go to the first game. I think the first game is going to be basically sold out. Not sold out, but um, a, lot of, a lot of people.
1: I found out today that that is the that is the free game for students. Um,
0: oh wow! So Maybe like the,
1: the the past three or four years, they've done um i'm trying to see what the prices are for that exhibition game and i'm having a hard time like how much the tickets cost we'll see if i can find it the last three i
0: I do want to mention i thought and i know i think we talked about this it's hilarious that you can buy the season pass for the home games for 150 dollars and that little letters at the bottom it says except duke you're not getting that ticket for that easy
1: all right, you can do it's like the scarlet and gray pass for like 150 bucks and you're like, "Oh, all of the home games." And they're like, "Yes, all the home games except Duke yeah, exactly. because the Duke ticket by itself will be more will cost more than all of the other games um, combined. 100%. 100%. Um single game tickets go on sale it looks like October 27th. So, I actually don't know how much the Indianapolis game will cost, but I can tell you that when they played Walsh in like 2015 or 16, I went and sat front row for like $13. So it's super cheap. Um, I don't know where I was at. Oh, free game. Free game. The last three or four years, um, to try and get students involved and excited about basketball, they did a free game. So even if you didn't buy student tickets, you just had to go on Ticketmaster and like claim your free ticket. And they did... Um, last year, it was... Syrac- did we play? I think it was Syracuse last year. The year before, that was Villanova. And the year before that, it was Clemson. This year, it stinks because it's Akron. They don't really have any big home games other than Duke, which not yeah, like, that one. <laughs> as if athletics is going to let all the students go to that game for free. Yeah. Um, that'd, but be
0: a, that'd be a ballsy move. All of the
1: uh, – they, af- they could afford it, but they're not going to put that cash cow to bed. No No way. Yeah. Um, they sold out the Nut House already, which is the first time they've sold out the student section in almost a decade. And then yeah. any other students that want to go to that Akron game literally will just claim their ticket. So um you it, it was already announced they can just go online and claim their ticket. So yeah, there should be a pretty good crowd at the Akron game and just being the first real game with a crowd, you know, I hope that there's a big a big crowd. Akron is not good, so and they will not be good. They have not been good. Um But, you know, they should win that game pretty easily, but hopefully they get pretty close to a sellout.
0: Yeah, and it's it's funny because I've seen people over the past couple years kind of talk about Holtman, and, you know, everybody has their own opinions on what you think of him as a coach. Obviously, I think some are more educated than others, but um, when you talk about it, it's simply just not even an opinion anymore that he's changed the outlook of basketball at Ohio State. Like, he just sold out the Nuthouse for the first time since 2008. You know, I mean, people are excited about this team, and that's – directly related to some of the stuff he's been doing with the program. So um, I think this is going to be a, this year on the court, I think there were some questions, but this year it just, in terms of an entertainment and value, I think it's going to be fantastic.
1: Yeah. And I can tell you firsthand that, you know, trying to get students excited for basketball at Ohio state is, I mean, it was, it's been difficult when I went to Ohio state, that was like my main thing was I was like nuthouse committee. I helped, Set up the nut house and put all the promotions out and like the rally towels and all that you know all that stuff. And we would have to send people out on the oval with like giveaways, or we would take like Andre Wesson or Caleb Wesson out to the oval with us, like buy basketball tickets. Like we're just begging people to buy basketball tickets because we were struggling to get like a thousand you know kids to buy tickets. Um, partially because you just buy your football tickets for you know you pay however much money for football tickets, like one hundred and eighty bucks, and then you're asking students to also pay another 150 bucks for basketball and most students are just like you know screw that like I'll buy them the day of if I want to but I'm not I can't spend more money on basketball tickets well they got it down to $99 now for all the home games including duke um so right there by itself like what a value $99 for like 11 home games um and they sold out all 2400 seats within like an hour and a half
0: yeah and I think that the good point you just brought up is I think sometimes students maybe get a bad rap because the nuthouse isn't as packed as it should be, or it's not it's not the I Zone, or it's not Purdue, or it's not the Barn. But at the end of the day, those football tickets aren't as expensive as Ohio State football tickets. So exactly. some kids exactly. have to make that decision. Look, ki- look, life's expensive, and college is expensive. So it sometimes it's just hard to buy all those tickets together. So I think if Ohio State was really smart, they'd make the football student tickets a little cheaper. But they're probably not going to do that,
1: right? But, like, um, are, how much are kids paying? How much are our kids paying for football tickets at, at Duke? No, they're probably yeah. paying the students to go to the Duke football games. Like, please go to our games. How much are they charging kids to go to Kentucky football games? Like, if anything, not. What Ohio State kids are, are are paying for their tickets? They pay basically an average of like twenty five, thirty bucks per ticket, which you know compared to Ticketmaster, or whatever, that's a great deal. But like very few schools are going to make students pay almost two hundred bucks for their seven home games. So then when you're asking like a nineteen year old that probably like has a part time job at Chipotle to also drop another hundred and fifty on basketball tickets, most kids are like, yeah, I just I just don't care enough to also spend this money on this and. They lowered the price and um, the team's supposed to be good. And I think the Duke game's a big draw. So, yeah,
0: sold you it look out. At the, you look at the team and you look at, you no, know, I, I think a lot of people don't like this kind of stuff, but you look at them like putting out videos on Twitter and them dancing before games, right? People look at that like, oh, I wish they'd just play. That stuff excites people. That stuff gets people excited to go to games, to watch them. They see the team chemistry, they see how much fun they're having. And it's just, it's kind of like FOMO at that point, fear of missing out. You know, you're like, oh, what am I missing that Ohio State's doing? So they want to go. So stuff like that matters. I know people, like they put out last year the, um, little, the little thing with Justin Arns and Dwayne Washington when they were, it was like a little skit they did. It was funny. You know, stuff like that gets people involved. I think that's something Holtman's kind of really done that, um, you know, they, it looked like Ohio State for a while was just kind of prioritizing that stuff for football, and now they're doing it basketball too, and it's really cool.
1: I like basketball games more than football. I don't know. We didn't really plan to talk about this, but it's easy to talk about because you and I both grew up loving college basketball. I think basketball games are more fun than football games just because when you're a student at a...
0: What'd you say? I said it's more intimate. You're there. You can actually... I think you can make much more of a direct impact on the game.
1: Exactly. Exactly. You know, you're sitting directly behind like Mark Turgeon on the Maryland bench. Um, You you know, a player... (laughs) A player fouls out and they're walking back to the bench. You know, Br- you know, Bruno Fernando was one that I really messed with when I was behind the way bench. Like, they're walking back to the, the bench and you've got like the left, right, left, right, like counting their steps as they step. And these guys get so angry and just... That's my favorite. <laughs> you can have way more of an impact as a fan at a basketball game than you can at a football game because, you know, something that you or I may yell individually, one person could literally throw somebody off when you know we always used to start the shot clock like when the shot clock hit nine we would start counting at seven and then you know they would chuck up a shot with two seconds on the clock and we all cheer so you can't really do that at a football game because you can't get loud enough to you know individually to impact the game like that
0: yeah still my favorite one of my favorite college basketball photos of all time is grievous vasquez from maryland trying to inbound the ball and cameron indoor and all the crazies just have their hands like i mean maybe four inches from his face it's and obviously you're not gonna make the impact that camera crazies do because just the way if you've ever seen that building it's just so small like I mean they are literally on the bench but still it's that concept
1: yeah it's it's a fun time and the nut house house is it's been getting better and and growing probably since Holtman took over you know my my graduating class and the ones below me kind of were tasked with trying to put this back together and, and the girl that is the current director of the Nuthouse um, was still in school when I was in school a couple years ago so maybe we'll have her on at some point to, to talk about kind of the changes that have been made and how they're doing. Um, we'll, we'll try to get back on track here when the Buckeyes take on Indianapolis they will have four captains um, for the first time since 2008 Um, when the captains in 2008 were Jamar Butler, Otello Hunter, David Lighty, and Matt Terwillinger. Um, No captains for the next 12 years, and they announced Justin Arns, EJ Liddell, Justice Suing, and Kyle Young are the captains this year. So, Justin, um, does being a captain make a difference? Why do some teams name captains and some don't? Is it just kind of a title thing for fun, or do you think... Um, you know, does it really make any kind of difference?
0: I do think it makes a difference. I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's for lack of maybe a better word, it's rewarding hard work and commitment, you know, because, and I know that might sound someone, someone definitely just listened to me say that went, but it's true. That's what it is. It's it's rewarding, hard work and commitment. you look at the guys they named, you, you have three seniors and a junior, likely the junior is going to be gone after this. Right. A a junior is probably going to be gone. You probably say four seniors. Um, but a guy like Justin Arns, who didn't play a whole lot his freshman, sophomore year, maybe could have transferred, but he hung in there. And, um, you know, he's going to be a key role, key, a vital piece to his team. You have Kyle Young, who, I mean, look, if you don't like Kyle Young as an Ohio State fan, just stop. Just, okay, come on. I mean, he's the most likable dude in the world. He works his absolute tail off. He is he's impacts the game in ways I can't even describe. They beat Oral Roberts with Kyle Young. Let's put it that way. Um, and, He's he's just the ultimate kind of person. I mean, you saw that video of them um, congratulating him when uh, he got engaged and stuff like that. And I'm pretty sure he has a he has a kid on the way or has a kid has a kid on the way on the way. I think it's, yeah, he has a fiance. He anyway. will
1: be a dad at <clears throat> some point this season.
0: Yeah, so you know, and you saw the video of the teammates congratulating— like they truly truly love him, and you can tell that he is a guy that you know they truly respect. And the justice suing. You know, we've talked about the impact he has on that team as just the Swiss Army knife. And then E.J. Liddell makes sense because he's someone that you can tell his voice matters. You can, you know, a media day, he was one of the main, he was probably the main guy talking to the media, stuff like that. And look, he's the best player on the team. He he's that a, exactly.
1: History. He's the best player on the team. Usually the best player gets the captaincy if there anybody's going to get it.
0: Yeah, he's a top 15 player in the country. So, I mean, that's, and I don't, for, uh, for the question of why some teams, that's probably just a coach thing. Uh, to be honest, I don't know the specifics of to why you would and why you wouldn't. Uh, it sounds like maybe, I don't know if Thad Mott has ever talked about it, um, why he stopped doing it. But um, And Chris Holtman, I'm not sure if he did it other other stops. I haven't looked into it, but it makes sense to start it this year because, again, like I said, I think they're building that kind of culture.
1: Right. They announced that at the, whatchamacallit, the the media availability this week, I believe. We've got a bunch of stuff that he said, do you mind? Me- Do you maybe want to run through some of the other stuff that Holtman, you know, we didn't have anybody there. You and I both work. You are a couple hours away. Um, I wasn't able to make it because of work, but we did get a lot of good stuff from Holtman this week. Um, You know, courtesy of, you know, got Columbus Dispatch, 24-7 sports and stuff like that. Um, They were all there. So we did get a lot of good stuff from Holtman this week. Do you maybe want to run through kind of rapid fire the different, um, the information that he gave us this week on the team and the status and all that?
0: Yeah, and also I would like to point out, if you did not see our tweet, and Holy Land, Bucketheads is credential this year at Ohio State basketball game. So if you see us at the media table, say hi, even though you probably have no idea what we look like. Um, we're the young ones there, put it that way. No, actually we're not, because 11 right. War- anyway, what, my point. So you talked about Kyle Young and Justin Arms, who aren't really practicing too much right now. Uh, they're just a little bit banged up uh he doesn't think either one is a long-term injury by any stretch of the imagination he just you know sometimes as you get through camp and stuff you get little dinks and bruises and stuff um it doesn't seem like they're gonna miss any time you want to be this is the time to be safe with them you know you're not really gonna at this point you're not gonna get too much like incredibly better i guess that's the way to word it but you can definitely hurt yourself more so you know just let them heal a little bit and get ready for you know indianapolis and akron in the start of the season. Um, he talked about Eugene Brown, who will be, in my opinion, the most in- interesting player on this team outside of maybe Cedric Russell because every time Eugene Brown was on the court last year, I think he affected the game. And I think that's an interesting thing to say about a guy who didn't play much. Uh, but he's he's the 3 and D guy. And that's what he said about um, um, uh, Eugene Brown is, you know, he, he need, they need a guy who's going to be a versatile perimeter defender, and that's who he is at his core. He works hard. Um, his game offensively is growing, and he, Coltman said he's excited to see it continue to grow. It begins with how good he can be defensively and how versatile he is. And um, it's true. He's a 3-and-D guy. You know, that's what he's going to be. Uh, he, he's going to give you that spark offensively. You know, we saw it against UCLA where he kind of won them that game. Uh, but also, he's just very, very good defensively defensively. He can pretty much guard three or four positions, and he can. he's quick, which is always nice. He's strong. He's athletic. He's just. He's going to be that defensive guy that can just make teams miserable. Um, he also mentioned that with Dwayne Washington gone, he expects Justice doing, Suing to step up. I think offensively, I think that's what everybody expects. I expect Suing to be a 15-point-per-game kind of guy. Um, he kind of needs to be because they don't really have a second scorer right now behind Liddell. It could be Cedric Russell. It could be Justin arms if he gets hot. Uh, but it's probably consistently going to be just as suing. On Zed Key's development, uh, he said he's a little bit in better shape now. um, Probably, and this is a quote from Holtman, because he's been on his rear end for 11 practices now, so Holtman seems like he's really getting into Zed Key and trying to get him. And you noticed that, and announcers noticed that last year. Whenever Zed Key would make a mistake or maybe make a misstep, Holtman would pull him and immediately start coaching him. I think he really, really wants Zed Key to be the best possible player he can be and uh and obviously all coaches want that but you know zed is a fun fun guy you know with the with the finger with the finger uh guns and just kind of the way he plays you can see the teammate he's going to be a future captain you know this is kind of the stuff you see from him um yeah so he's, I, he's, he's fun, fun.
1: yeah i don't want to cut into about zed real quick just because could, he might be the most fun player and like most well liked by fans by the time he's done at Ohio State which his game is so limited I don't think he's ever going to like he'll he'll get his degree at Ohio State he'll play all four years I don't know I don't recall a player being more uh, like liked and affectionately just like loved by fans I'm trying to think of the last one that everybody maybe Jay Sean Tate um they like fans just maybe not the best player on the team but just Everybody loves them, just like a universal appreciation for him. Like The finger guns you said, um, I don't know if you saw the, the, uh, the quote that Patrick Mayhorn, former Land Grant Holy Land writer, got from Zed Key when he asked all the players, "Like one guy gets a shot to win the game, who gets the ball? And then Zed Key literally said, it's me, everybody should say me, I know how to get a bucket. And then he goes, even if I miss, I'm getting the rebound and I'm going back up. Um, and then you have like the, you know basically Holtman saying he's just not really conditioned very well right now. Um, I don't that doesn't necessarily mean he's overweight, but he's just having a hard time keeping up with the pace of play. He's probably getting beat defensively and like, you know running back to the other, other end of the floor. So you've got kind of like the fat guy with the finger guns that still is like as confident as hell. Like I'm a bucket, but even if I miss, I'm gonna get my own rebound and I'm still gonna get a bucket. And I'm just really looking forward to seeing him play for three or four more years.
0: Yeah, and that's the hardest part for guys like Zed Key, that the big guys to get in shape because in high school it doesn't really matter. They just dominate everybody and they're still athletic enough to where they're still, you know, running with guys in high school. But once you become a freshman or sophomore in college, the big guys are just as athletic as everybody else too. So, you know, it becomes tough to kind of to get into it. Like you said, it's not that he's out of shape. He's just not as well-conditioned as he can be. And I think that was something they saw with Sullinger early on in his career. Now Sullinger was just so talented that it didn't really matter too much. But, um, you know, Zed Key, as long as he gets in shape and whatnot, I think he'll be – I think he's a guy that can really contribute to them, for them, and to them. And then you have um, – I like this quote. On interior defense, he said, we know what EJ and Kyle can do. We will need some important stuff from Zed and Joey. That is basically just saying, look, EJ and Kyle played center last year. They're really not going to this year. Though. We have Zed Key. We have Joey Brunk. They're going to be our big guys down low for the most part. EJ and Kyle are going to be able to kind of become more of that four spot, be able to get out, maybe do some perimeter defense. Um, and actually, you know, I know EJ Liddell wants to have more of a role kind of on the perimeter and his jump shot. You know, We saw it improve last year. He had a legitimately worrisome jump shot for defenses. And as long as he can improve on that, he's he's – going to be as good as they get offensively and that's pretty much it
1: okay so we got all okay so we got all the the good stuff from Holtman at media days um a couple other things that I don't think you hit on confirm that captains were voted on by teammates it was not um oh, yes, I did miss that. it was not Holtman and the coaches you know just like you know you've been picked by the coaches the teammates the team voted on it um and so you know as a junior Liddell getting it is noteworthy and I think um, as a transfer, Justice Suing getting voted in is noteworthy, too, because he's only been there for a couple of years versus a few of those guys who have been there for um, longer or just as long. So him getting voted as, as a captain, I think, is a big deal and speaks to his character and how much those guys you know love him. He also seems like a goofball, um, and I'm looking forward to watching him play, too. Um, you kind of hit on Liddell. He Holtman directly said his jump shot is improving, but they need to work on his defensive versatility. Basically, if they're going to use him as a three, potentially, he needs to be able to guard more Mm -hmm. than just the four and five. He's going to have to be able to be versatile and mobile out around the perimeter and be able to switch off on the smaller guys and keep up if he also wants to offensively play out there.
0: Yeah. And that was a knock he got at the combine as well, was just that he's not great at Getting out and, and guarding guys in the perimeter, and, and like you said, if he wants basically if he wants to play the stretch three and the stretch four, he has to guard the stretch three and the stretch four. And I think he's a good, he's a decent perimeter defender. They just need him to be a little, a little better. Because look, when you're playing the Michigan States, the Michigans, the you know those those good the, the Purdue's of the world, you miss one defensive assignment, it's a bucket. You know, you, there's no room for mistake and there's no room for error. And I think that's kind of what Holtman's saying.
1: Yeah, he'll have to switch off from a Travion Williams on to, um, you know, he'll have to guard like a Sasha Stefanovic or like a Jaden mm-hmm. Ivey once in a while. You yeah. know, if if he wants to play outside yeah. and take some shots outside, he's also going to have to learn how to defend out there. So he'll have to be athletic enough to, to step out and guard some of the bigger guards and some of the quicker wings too. He's just, you you can't really have it both ways. If you're going to be offensive out there, you're going to have to also learn how to, you know, defend out there. Um, yeah, sure. So that's a lot of good Ohio State stuff. Um, I'm going to end... What are we at? Almost thirty minutes. Yeah, we'll we'll um, we'll end with a really kooky story that I found on on Twitter last night. Um, let me see if I can find it. It's about Rick Majeris who passed away about ten years ago. He was a longtime coach at the Univers- at, at Utah and at St. Louis. Um, really, really big dude. He passed away from heart failure, literally a couple weeks after he retired. Um, but what I found online, and I just wanted to talk about this because it's something that i want your take if a coach could do this in 2021 if they did this in 2021 what would happen to them like blank basically um rick majerus was naked or had his penis out like half the time that he was at the utah facility and the st louis facility like the dude just was like not shy at all about walking around naked or whipping, as you know what, out in front of coaches, um, assist, uh, staff assistants, his own players. Um, and the, the story is on LarryBrownSports.com and also Deadspin. So take the Deadspin one for a grain of salt. But basically, I'm going to read directly from it. It says, another player remembers Majeris calling him to his hotel room on various occasions and, quote, he'd answer the door in his towel and I'd come in and the towel would fall off and it was like nothing had happened. He'd just be standing there buck naked. One year he had this lower back injury and he would have the trainer massage it with the ultrasound machine. But instead of just lowering his pants a little bit, Majerus would pull his pants down to his ankles and sit in a chair and coach us. Sometimes he'd be like, guys, bring it in, take a knee. We'd come in and we're just like, no way. No way this is happening. Um, says Majerus did not see why anybody would look at his casual nudity as odd. He said, I mean, we all have foibles. Talked to my two secretaries at Utah. I'm very close to them. I had to get a colonoscopy and Kelly took me down for it and then took me back to the hotel because you can't drive afterwards. She undressed me and got me on the, on the bed. I didn't ask her to. She took care of me. My last secretary, Whitney, people used to walk in my room or the coach's room Whitney would be walking on my back. She's about 100 pounds, and I told her, here's the vertebrae and what we're trying to align. Or she'd sit on my back, keep in mind, while he's naked, or she'd sit on my back with her butt facing my feet because it flattened out whatever these things are. I used to look at film while she'd do it. Jeez, um, and there was another one in here. It said, during a shoot-around at practice in 1996, which I believe would be while he was at Utah, yep, um, 1996, they were the regular season um, WAC champions that year. Um, During a shoot-around, one of his players, he told his players he needed to keep six inches between himself and his opponent in the post. When the player was caught shortly after leaning on his man, the coach erupted, Jesus, we'll say freaking Christ. When a guy catches the ball in the post, you gap him six inches. The player recalls Majerus yelling. Then he turns to the guy sitting in the baseline and says six freaking inches, the size of an average white dick and pulls it out. The story spread like wildfire at the time. It's not funny at the time as a player, you were terrified. If this was to happen in 2021, Rick Majerus would be
0: what? Uh, in one word fired. Um, in another word, Maybe jailed. I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't I, the only thing I can think of as to why this is like, uh, what he thought this is okay is like I guess it was just known that people didn't have a problem with it. But I, I mean, first of all, for the secretary and all that stuff, like, why don't you have like a, a doctor, a chiropractor doing that? Like they have. This is not small. This is college basketball. I mean, it feels like you you have access to people that should be doing that, not your secretary, but also it's just. I, I don't know that there's too much to unpack there in general to be honest because I wasn't aware of the story uh, but it's just like that's it's a lot going on
1: Yeah, when I was reading that I was just like because I, I vaguely recall watching St. Louis um, they were in this, the NCAA tournament more years often than not I remember like Jordair Jett was a really good player for St. Louis and I think that's why he was still there but 2012 was when he stopped when was when he stopped coaching and I was 16 or 17 um i don't know if it overlapped or not but i I remember him so honestly i didn't even know that he had passed away that long ago he wasn't that old he died when he was only 52 years old um but i'm just reading these stories and i'm just like this cannot be real like this this can't be real when you're looking at the things that coaches get fired for right now if any of this happened this year i mean you could potentially be in
0: jail to be honest, I, I don't know if it's just because it didn't come out. He probably should have been. Like, I think he would have been fired for it in 1996. <laughs> just not, maybe just people didn't know. I have no idea. Um, but I, that, like, yeah, it's a lot going on.
1: That's just the most absurd thing. So that's that's how we'll we'll close it.
0: Um, I don't know why he thought he had to demonstrate half the stuff he said, but nevertheless, right?
1: Even if you're going to say the 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 size of an average white penis why why did he if a coach did that in 2021 and they just yanked it out at pre, yeah you're like you're axed you're We're you're done have to, we have to put that's why
0: TG13 rating on this episode now <laughs> lord <laughs>
1: yeah anyway um hopefully they let us record another podcast after sharing that if they do we'll just continue sharing stuff like that um that's going to and uh, oh last thing last thing uh, AJ Casey is committing here in about uh committing sometime tonight um, probably not going to go to Ohio state. He's in the top six for Ohio state or Ohio state is one of his final schools. I don't think it's going to be Ohio state, uh, 24 seven rivals us all leaning Miami. Justin, is that, is that what you're thinking too? You're not expecting another boom tonight for Ohio state. Are you
0: No. By the time you listen to this, you'll know what he had. So that's why we're predicting, but by was as we're recording, we don't know. Uh, but yeah, I think it's Miami. It yeah,
1: Chicago, like Chicago kid. It looks like he's leaning in Miami or DePaul. Um, would be a really good piece for Ohio State, but I think with Santa Ball coming there a couple weeks ago, probably going to be tough for them to get it. <laughs> Um, that's going to be it for today. If you find us on the website or on Twitter, don't forget to also subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Lang Grant Holy Land rolled out a few new podcasts this year and are dropping episodes at least five days a week. So keep an eye out for that. Um, we are now weekly, so we will be back, we will be back next week with uh, with something. Not sure what we'll talk about, but we have no problem running our fat mouths for you know, 20 to 30 minutes, clearly.
0: Yep, you can find me at Justin underscore Golba for anything.
1: And then... You can follow the Land Grant account at Land Grant33. Um, our new account for the podcast at Bucketheads L G um, H L. You can follow me at Lamans underscore Connor. Um, you can go to the website, landgrantholyland.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Music if that's what you use. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. You have a great week and go bucks.
0: Yes, the more five-star reviews, the better. Thank you.